Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist. And I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. Now today is another bite-sized episode and a question from a lovely listener and it's all about being on the waiting list for therapy with the NHS and how can you support yourself when you're in this very challenging time and you know you've still got several months to wait. So this particular listener is struggling with bulimia. She has been on the NHS waiting list for a while. (laughs) She's been on the eating disorders team radar for 18 months and is finally getting towards targeted therapy, but it's probably still going to be a few more months. Not unusual and really, really hard to be in this situation because I think often what happens with people is they finally decide they want to get help, they get referred by their doctor, then they have to wait to be assessed by the eating disorder service, they're assessed by the eating disorder service, and then there's often another really, really long wait before you actually get the therapy itself. And I guess in that time, in that time lag that passes, your symptoms could change, sadly could often get worse if you're not getting help, you might shift in your motivation, you know, lots of things can happen. And um, by the time you actually get therapy, you may be in a very different motivational stage to when you first accessed help. So this listener is understandably struggling with work and managing her symptoms. It's impacting her mood and also her hope for change. And she's managing surgical training as a doctor and the stresses of this whilst also dealing with anxiety and low mood, which then feeds into the eating disorder and makes it all worse. So my listener would like some guidance on managing symptoms in the wait for therapy and I know that she is absolutely not alone. So I know that the NHS provision and support for eating disorders has improved greatly from years past, and um, you know the quality of eating disorder treatment therapy that people can access is in many cases really, really excellent. But obviously we're still you know, under-resourced um, in many, many places in the UK, and it's still a bit of a postcode lottery about the help you get. And we do know as well that early intervention for eating disorders is far more helpful and particularly if you can get it in the first three years. So this is often problematic when it takes so long to access help. Now I think about my own experience of bulimia, finally went to the doctors four years into living with the illness, feeling wildly out of control, desperate for help. And I remember just like breaking down, you know, crying my eyes out in the doctor's surgery, asking for some support. And there just wasn't anything available. I believe at that time, the service, the local service for eating disorders is actually closed. So I think there was just literally not a service even existing. I mean, this was a long time ago. I'm quite old. (laughs) The doctor was empathetic, but it was quite a dead end for me um, in trying to access help. So I went away and I muddled along and tried to, you know, get through myself. Not easy. But take heart, anyone listening, you know, I did go on and recover. And interestingly, most of my therapy actually came after my symptoms were significantly reduced. And back then as well, my therapy was not eating disorder specific. And um, I still managed to make a recovery. So I want to kind of give hope to everyone today that it is possible, (laughs) um, there is a way through. 
So however, in the depths of the well of despair you feel today, know that there is a way out. You really do need to hold on to hope. So going back to my listener's question, how can you support yourself in the wait for therapy? Okay, number one, you don't realize it yet, but the power for change is absolutely within you. Now, when I was struggling, I was absolutely holding on to the hope that someone or something would save me. And I was absolutely looking outside for the answers and I was hoping to be fixed. Now, therapy is incredibly valuable, incredibly valuable, but it is not a magic wand. You will likely have weekly sessions with your therapist, which hopefully will guide, inspire, and support you in navigating the recovery road. But ultimately, it is going to be coming back to you. You are the one that's going to be making the change. You are the one that's going to be taking the responsibility. You are the one that's going to be making those baby steps forward. Now, this feels scary, overwhelming, and a massively huge responsibility. However, it also gives you power and autonomy to really become the expert on you. Now, this feels very scary as well because when you're in the depths of an eating disorder, you probably don't feel like the expert on you at all. You feel probably far, far, far from that. And you probably have very little self-trust, very little self-worth, very little self-confidence. But I wanna say to you, I have been in that place of not knowing who I was, not knowing my opinion on anything, having self-worth that was literally on the floor. And I feel a thousand percent away from that today. So I want to give you hope wherever you are today, it's really, really possible to turn this around. Now, when we get into our own power and start to understand how much autonomy, how much, how much it was, is within us with this kind of wisdom, um, it really is such a game changer in moving forward. And I want you to think about this when you think about people around you that inspire and encourage and uplift you. You make that decision about who you really click with, who you really engage with, who really inspires you. No one else can tell you who encourages, inspires you and uplifts you. You alone will find out when you access therapy, which therapies really work for you and which ones don't. You alone will know the voices on social media, all the books, all the podcasts who really speak to you. You know, other people could tell you this is a great recommendation, but you are the one that knows what is right for you. And you alone can decide to commit to recovery, to put other things aside and make it a priority. You know, no one can really force you down that road when you're not ready. You have to be the one that really wants to be in the driving seat. You wouldn't want anyone else to be in the driving seat. It would not be good. And you alone can take the baby steps to carry you forward. So as you listen to your inner voice and begin to self-trust, this emotional muscle will contract and expand and give you increasing levels of strength. So whilst you're on the waiting list, take time to do whatever feels right for you to take some baby steps forward. Okay, you might feel like you can't interrupt your eating disorder symptoms, but what you could do maybe is you could start to journal daily, become more reflective, notice what's going on with your thoughts and feelings. You could take time daily to listen to a podcast or read a book that inspires and uplifts you. You could take time daily to pursue content or seek out relationships where you feel valued and listened to. Now this stuff is powerful and the baby steps do really add up. And when I look back on my healing journey, 
Therapy was a significant part of the pie chart in helping me change, but my own investment in myself has also been incredibly powerful. And along with the support of other relationships too, other friendships, other important people in my life, but there've been many, many things that have contributed to this. But ultimately, it has been about me wanting to make those changes, me committing to the process, me seeking out the truth of what is gonna be supportive of me. Number two, your environment can uplift or bring you down. Now it's a generalization, but people with eating disorders are often quite isolated. Particularly with someone struggling with bulimia, you will have one face for the world where you probably smile, you're coping, everyone thinks everything's wonderful. You'll probably though keep your troubles inside and direct these inwards behind closed doors. You might also find that you have a lot of people in your life and feel connected to a certain level, but you have very, very few people that really know what is going on. So what's really important is to start to form stronger connections. Now, even if you have one person, you know, ideally it'd be great to have two or three, but even if you have one person who you can be really open, honest, and authentic with, this is a game changer. Now, of course, the person that you're gonna open up to, it needs to be someone who's very safe, calm, accepting, and not telling you what to do. The kind of person that can hold space, that can listen, that can encourage and allow you to be yourself. And ideally, if you're in a friendship with someone who can also be vulnerable, you can do mutual sharing and it can be reciprocal, reciprocally beneficial between you. So you might think, oh, I don't want to burden people or I'm too much. And for some people you will be too much, but these are not your people. There are other people out there though who are empaths, who are kind, who are compassionate, who want to really connect and be vulnerable. So you just need to find these people. They are out there, they absolutely are. So practice vulnerability and being a bit more open with someone you can trust. And you'll be amazed how vulnerability can be healing and profound. You will realize that we are all going through our own stuff. No one is perfect or has everything sussed out by any means. And when we start to form these deeper connections, we really realize we are not alone. Everyone has different struggles. It might not be with eating, but it'll be with other things. Anyone in your life who triggers you to feel not good enough or is critical or unkind, you probably need to put some healthy distance between you and them to protect yourself. You really might need to put some boundaries in place. So if you're isolated and you're listening to this, Take a baby step forward towards vulnerability and connection today. Number three, self-care and slowing down. Now, eating disorders are often exacerbated by a lack of self-care and continual and excessive stress. So you might feel that you're on the hamster wheel of life, spinning so fast with no time for reflection or downtime, and this is absolutely part of the problem. Recovering from an eating disorder requires a slowing down and a reconnection with the self. Spinning so fast does not allow this. So things like taking regular breaks throughout the day, staying hydrated, going somewhere green or outside if you can, it just needs to be little things. So many of my clients push themselves relentlessly with no breaks, no fuel or hydration, no contact with others, staring at a screen for hours and hours. No wonder they're not feeling good. So introduce some slowing down and some self-soothing. 
You might be learning this for the very first time if you haven't sort of grown up understanding about self-soothing and that's okay. So think about stimulating the five senses when soothing, smell, touch, sight, hearing or taste. So it could be things like having a nice shower or bath with a beautiful scent, lighting your favorite candle, maybe watching your favorite program, reading a book, coloring in or doing puzzles, maybe sitting with a weighted blanket, just laying on the bed and having some rest, going out in nature, maybe allowing yourself time to be rather than to be doing, doing, doing all the time. So slowing down and beginning to reconnect with yourself is one of the most powerful interventions you can practice. And it sounds simple, but it is hard because we live in a very, very, very striving society where as a society, we don't really value the self-care and connection and slowing down. Everyone's just trying to do more, 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 more. And no wonder we're stressed, we're anxious, we're depressed, we're comparing. It's relentless. So take some time to slow down it can do wonders for your mental well-being and also for your relationship with food. Okay, number four, taking baby steps towards regular eating and stabilizing your blood sugar. I know I always bang on about this, but imagine if you were looking after a child or your favorite pet or even your best friend, you would make sure that they were eating regularly, you'd probably provide care, attention and love with your meals and snacks. You'd prioritize feeding them as part of the day and you wouldn't want them to be getting hungry and grouchy and not functioning properly. So people with eating disorders are often exemplary at doing this for others, but not great at doing it for themselves. And you might feel undeserving or not good enough when it comes to you. So try to think about taking care of your own inner child, that little child inside you, and that as well as if this is a helpful way for you to look at, look at the situation in that way. So how can you expect yourself to function well when you're not feeding yourself regularly? How can you expect yourself to function when you have low blood sugar, no energy, and you're very preoccupied with food? It's almost impossible, isn't it? And you wouldn't expect this from anyone else. So I understand as well, regular eating, thinking about stabilizing blood sugar, when you're really struggling in the eating disorder, where you don't like your body, this is quite hard stuff. This is actually very, very hard stuff. So it's starting with baby steps. If you're in a whirlwind of restriction and out of control binging for hours on end, start really small. Could you maybe manage breakfast? Could you manage a snack? Could you just do something to help your body be in a more stable physiological state. Now, anyone that knows this, listens to this podcast will know that in my own recovery, stabilizing blood sugar and regular eating were absolute game changers for me. Previously, I would have told you that I was completely addicted to sugar, had no self-control around food. Um, yeah, everything just felt chaotic and messy and um, not in a good place. Now, of course, Regular eating, stabilizing blood sugar on their own are not gonna cure your eating disorder, but it gives you that stable platform for recovery. The emotional triggers for eating disorders do still need addressing too, but that regular eating really does provide that platform for change, that sort of scaffolding around your life of self-care and structure, rather than being on a precarious, restrictive tightrope that you could fall off at any point. Okay, number five, social media. 
So there are, of course, aspects of social media that are wonderfully beneficial, the intuitive eating, genuine pro-recovery accounts, body neutrality, how to deal with emotions, body image, a plethora of amazing resources and people giving back to the world. Amazing. But also, we know, we know, we know, we know that there's a ton of research which shows how unhelpful social media can be for our mental health. And so much of social media is toxic. It is triggering for poor mental health with the constant comparisons, the sometimes misleading information with visuals of people with six packs while promoting the benefits of intuitive eating. So I can't speak today. So with your social media usage, you need to be ruthless in setting boundaries and to stay sane because even one triggering account could set you off in a negative spiral, which will influence your body image, your eating, your day and ultimately your life. So become really intentional with usage, set a timer, think about what you want to consume and try to avoid the rabbit hole of endless scrolling. Become self-aware as well. Notice how when you engage with different types of content, how does it make you feel? So if things are triggering or don't make you feel good, mute or unfollow, be ruthless. No one is gonna come along and protect your mental health for you and sadly, TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, these platforms, they are not really thinking about your mental health. They are thinking about making lots of money. I know that they are, in so many ways, great resources, wonderful things that allow us to connect with so many people and to explore our interests. But as well, there is such a toxic side and we need to take responsibility because no one else is going to do that for us at the moment. Um, I really hope that things change along these lines in the future because I think, yeah, social media, I could say so much on it. So expand your interest as well. If you want to use social media as well to other non-food, non-body image areas, whatever it is that really interests you. Okay, so those are my thoughts about some things that you can do when you're on the NHS waiting list or any waiting list, in fact. Number one, The power is within you, even if you don't know it yet. So start to dig deep. Think about what really helps you, what's helped you even so far along your recovery journey. Is it maybe doing some journaling? Is it listening to a particular podcast, reading a particular book? Start to integrate these things into your week. Start to make them like regular habits because we can have so much influence on our thoughts and feelings by what we expose ourselves to. Number two, your environment can uplift or bring you down. Who are you hanging out with? Are you spending time with people where you can be honest and open and have trusted, kind, encouraging, uplifting relationships or not? Have a think about who's in your life because it's massively influential to your well-being. Self-care and slowing down, number three. Slowing down is one of the most powerful things that you can do to help yourself in eating disorder recovery. Start to think about how you can stimulate the five senses. How can you really start to slow down a little bit and and take those bits of active rest, coming back to yourself, reconnecting with your body. Number four, regular eating, stabilizing blood sugar. Start where you can with this. You know, perhaps if you're just on one meal a day at the moment, think about introducing a snack or something earlier. Really notice as well what happens when you go for hours and hours without eating. You know, does it end up with binging? Do you end up being really irritable and tired and not able to function and concentrate? Start to think about fueling yourself in the way that you would fuel your best friend or a child or your pet. 
And number five, think about your social media usage. Be ruthless, be ruthless, ruthless, ruthless. It's so important to have boundaries in place, be intentional with what you look at and expose yourself to things that really encourage and uplift you and make you feel creative. And um, yeah, all those good things. Do not go down the rabbit hole as much as you can. And I know I'm saying this and it sounds so easy, but it is hard because of social media is incredibly addictive and lures you in. So anyway, those are some thoughts. So I hope this episode has given you some things to think about. Um, for anyone that is on a waiting list out there, I have huge empathy for you. It's not easy when you're waiting. You can sometimes feel really despondent and hopeless and feel that you're never going to get the help you need. But um, yeah, so I, I just really hope for anyone that is waiting that you get your support soon. But also as well, really take responsibility, get into that empowered place of um, realizing that you are the expert on you. You have so many resources within you you can pursue things that are going to be really helpful for you and then when you have your therapy as well that's going to be like an added bonus an added thing that will really be integrated and added on to everything you're doing already okay so if you're not following me already do seek me on instagram at the eating disorder therapist underscore for further support with your relationship with food do go to the eating disorder therapist.co.uk and if you enjoy this podcast i would be so grateful if you'd follow rate and review as it helps it reach so many more listeners. Thank you so much for listening today and I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon.